Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm back in LA. It feels really good to be home. I'm looking forward tonight to sleeping in my own bed. Although I had a wonderful trip this time. I got back in from Napa this morning. I had like a 10 a.m. flight, but I was flying out of Oakland's airport. So I was like an hour and a half drive away. I had to get up really early and then a driver from Infinity because that's what I was in Napa doing. I was working on an activation for them, but their driver took me to the airport. But I was back downtown by one at the latest. I'm one of those neurotic people that immediately unpacks their suitcase. Like when I check into a hotel before I do anything, I have to unpack my suitcase and set up the bathroom with all my toiletries and makeup and hair stuff. Like I have a whole arrangement for how I like lay out my makeup and such. And I have to hang up my clothes or put them in drawers. I don't like living out of a suitcase. So yeah, but I do the same thing when I get back. So like the first thing I did after I like made myself breakfast, like I really wanted to eat like a home cooked meal. Because it's been like, what, 11, 12 days since I've had one. I unpacked my suitcase and, you know, sorted the clothes that need to be washed and the stuff that needs to, to go to the dry cleaners and put all my toiletries away. Just a little neurotic like that. But Napa was amazing. Uh, my only complaint about the trip was that it was too short. I had a wonderful time with the Infinity folks. Like we went to a couple wineries. We ate well. We drank well. We drove not after drinking, but we drove to like some beautiful, beautiful places up in Napa and beyond. Um, my favorite of which, we went to a beach yesterday morning that was really, really beautiful. It was overcast, um, which Napa, at least this time of year, seems to be. I also know there are some fires nearby that's making the, um, the sky really smoky and hazy, but still beautiful. We went to this beach. It was about an hour and 45 minutes from the hotel, Goat Rock Beach. It's where The Goonies was filmed, or one of the many places. People have been sort of pushing back (laughs) against me um, in my comments all day because I I posted a picture of the beach and I said, you know, oh, Goonies was filmed here. And I actually put up a picture of the rock and then a picture from Goonies so you could see that it was the same rock and people are very much so pushing back. And they're like, no, Goonies was filmed in Oregon. And I was like, yes, Goonies was filmed in many, many places, one of them being Goat Rock, Goat Rock Beach, because like literally I'm showing you the scene from the movie with the rock formations and the pirate ship. And then I'm showing you the footage I took yesterday of rocks in the exact same formation. I'm sure Oregon has something very similar, but it's not quite Goat Rock. And I do believe there were parts of the film that were filmed there. When I looked up the name of the beach, a bunch of stuff came out. If you can hear that in the background, that's my ice maker. I had no ice. I got to let the thing run for a while so that, you know, I put some ice in my water. Refrigerated water is not as cold as ice water. And please don't dare write in telling me that I need to drink room temperature water. I like my water cold. Thank you. Oh, can we address that really quickly? How do I say this? Lately, there's been folks writing in over very petty things. This woman wrote in the other day. She gave me her entire family lineage. She has some Louisiana roots and she has some West African roots and she ran them down for me in detail. And she was upset that I was comparing okra stew to gumbo. 
And she was like, you know, it's really not accurate and you should stop saying it. And I was like, are you are you serious? Like, you just wrote me. And it was like a lot of paragraphs. And I got it at like 8 a.m. And I told her, yo, like, this is the most. And I was like, are you serious? Like, I went to an African country and I ate okra stew and I went to Brazil and I ate mocheca and I've been eating gumbo my whole life because, like, I also have family in New Orleans and I tasted these things and, and my taste buds felt that these things had a lot of similarity. Take a few things out, add a couple of things. It's really kind of the same thing. And I said that in not so many words that I was like, hey, like I went to these places. I tasted these things. This was my summation based on my taste buds. You know, so you may not agree, but this is what my taste buds agree on. And she really doubled down on it and was like, no, I'm in the car with friends. And they also have my background and they too say you're wrong. And I was like, girl, I just blocked her. That's a lot. Like, I understand, you know, like I have a podcast and it's, it's based on opinions and that I have many of them and that people also have their opinions. And I, by no means am I telling you not to have your opinions. I'm saying, like, if you got some negative shit to say, say it on your page or say it to your friends or or say it whatever you want. But this thing that's happening lately that's compelling people to, like, DM me with their opinions of things that they don't agree with. I don't need to know. Like, if you want to give me some information, because there's something that I'm inaccurate about. Like, I said something about Haiti still owing France, and someone wrote in and was like, hey, you know, I know what you were trying to say, but just to be clear, like, that debt was paid off in 1947. And I was like, you know what? Thank you for that correction. I absolutely want to be corrected if I don't have my facts right. But an opinion on, like, what food tastes like? Girl. That's just, like, the most recent example. But, like, I'm not going to change my taste buds because other people don't like it. You're welcome to disagree. I don't need you to agree with me on everything. This, this writing in, this need to tell me, don't. I'm telling you flatly, don't. I don't want to hear it. Thank you. So now that we've got that bit of housekeeping out the way, oh, what else happened in Napa? We went to an olive garden, which was amazing. I didn't realize that I had very strong feelings about olive oil. So like we did this olive oil tasting and then it was like the regular olive oil at least at this place, that had like some spice to it. And I was like, Mm-mm, I don't like my olive oil with spice, which I didn't know until I had olive oil with spice. And then there was like lemon olive oil, which I was also like, Mm-mm, this tastes like what Pledge smells like. And I like the scent of Pledge when I'm cleaning up the surfaces of, of wood and such. Like, I like that. I don't like the taste of it, though. Basil olive oil is amazing. The only reason I didn't get any to bring with me Because the bag that I had was already exactly 50 pounds. And I was like, I don't want to take other stuff out and have to carry it through the airport just to have this olive oil with me. I don't cook with enough frequency where I need that in my life. And also, I feel like if I had basil olive oil in my house, then that would also compel me to keep bread in my house. And I'm trying to stay away now. Because I didn't, like, for this last odyssey, I, just, I was so irresponsible with my eating. And the scale reflects it. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. So I was like, I need to keep bread out of my house. And the olive oil will tempt me to keep bread in my life. And I need to let bread go for at least a good, like, 30 days. I'm going to have to go hiking, like, every day. Hiking, kickboxing, something. Things are getting a little out of control. We don't want that. So... The last event in Napa, after the Olive Garden, we drove out to another winery. It's like 200 acres, 100 of which are actual vines. But mixed in, in the landscape of the vineyard, 
is all this amazing art. And I mean like art that you see like in museums. And I'm not going to try to pronounce the names because y'all know I butcher names every week and I will butcher most of these. But it's stuff that you would recognize. Like there was a, a Louis Vuitton bag a couple years ago that had all the dot patterns on it. And it came in, I want to say red and maybe blue and yellow. So a bunch of dots of like different sizes. And then there was a tour. And the artist who did that design or that collaboration with Louis Vuitton, there was a tour that went to a bunch of different places. I saw it at the, not the National Portrait Gallery. What's the Contemporary Art Museum in D.C.? It's in a building that's like really old, but it has a really like dope design. I can't remember the name of that art gallery, but I saw it in downtown D.C. It was also in New York. It was also in L.A. It was a bunch of places. But there was one of those, the pumpkin with all like the spots and dots on it. There was one of those just like sitting there. And then in Columbus Circle in New York, there's like these two giant statues. They're like huge. And then they have um, very small genitalia. And there's like one of them sitting in this vineyard. The bull on Wall Street, that very famous bull, the bull has a brother that's sitting in the rose garden of this vineyard. The love sign in Philadelphia, that was there too. There was also another art piece that was amazing. It was so beautiful. And I don't know the name of the artist, which again, I would probably butcher, but it's a giant spider and it has a whole structure to itself. So the way that the guide explained it to us is that the floor was built and then the spider was built and then they built the building around the spider. It's absolutely amazing. It's really beautiful. And I'll post a picture on um, my Instagram and my Facebook so you can see it because for me describing it, you're not going to get it because it has like these really little legs and then it has the center of gravity, like an actual spider. Most people probably don't think about this, but like, how does a spider freaking exist? Because those legs are so tiny and you've got this center of gravity right in the middle. Like, how does that work? I mean, it does clearly because spiders exist, but then like you build a structure and mimic this weird center of gravity. It's, it's fascinating. Really, really beautiful. So many gorgeous art pieces. Like there was this heart that was like three stories tall, like up on a hill. We didn't go up to it because we couldn't see all the art. Because it's 200 acres, we couldn't walk around all of it. But there's so much stuff. There was a Keith Harding piece that I didn't even get a chance to see, which I was like, if you told me there was a Keith Harding, I would have hunted it down on the property somehow. But it was really, really good. So I had a really great time. And then after we left there, we went back to the hotel for a quick change. And then we had our closing dinner. Many people have asked me, they were like, okay, like you're talking about all the events, and but you're not talking about like, you know, what, what, what is the truck actually like? So two things. One, I'm not an automotive blogger. I don't really know how to describe cars or, or trucks for that matter. Um, that's not my ministry. But my review is also embargoed per infinity for two weeks. So I'll get back to you, maybe on here, maybe on social media to share my thoughts with you about the truck. But I liked it. It's very luxurious. But yeah, I do have many thoughts, whether they're, I don't know, a proper auto review or not. I have thoughts. I do. What else is going on? A bunch of crazy motherfuckers are, are climbing on crates. Where did this come from? Like I was off social media more or less for like the last nine days or so. I was posting, but I didn't have any downtime to do like, you know, my random scrolls. I would only check for, you know, the big stories that people were talking about just so I could do the podcast episodes. 
I had my first real downtime today when I was waiting for um, the plane to board. So I got to the airport really early and also riding in the back of a car for like an hour and change. So I was scrolling on Instagram and like all these people are climbing crates and most of them are busting their asses. So I was like, you see how challenging this challenge because it's the crate challenge. You see how challenging this is and that people are falling and fucking themselves up and you decide like, you going to do this? I saw some woman doing it in heels and she actually got to the top and walked back down and didn't bust her ass. But I was watching it and I was just like, why? Why is anybody doing this? Like I can see like the 12 year olds, the teenagers. I can see them. They ain't got nothing better to do. They don't have their good sense yet. But I was like, everybody over 25 with a fully formed frontal lobe. Why are y'all doing this shit? I don't know. Do I sound like an old person? Like get off my lawn. I'm fine with that. I understand where those people are coming from now. Like watching people do dumb shit and be like, why? You know what I'm about to say? Lori Harvey. Why? Why? I don't get it, y'all. People just busting their asses for no reason. I'm like, so you want to try to die today? I saw a police officer doing it. And I was like, and he was fucked up too. He fell and his partner came and picked him up. And dude tried to, you know, like shake off the pain and act like he was okay. But you could see in his face like that shit hurt. Y'all ain't got nothing better to do with y'all time than climb some damn crates that you've already watched people do and bust their ass. Why? Why? What else is going on? There's not a lot of good black news this week. Or there's like circumstantial goodness. Let's talk about something that's really good. Rumors, the song with Lizzo and Cardi that we were very excited about. And when it came out, I was kind of underwhelmed. Nonetheless, it's number four on the Billboard Top 100. Cardi said it best. My records live in the top 10. They do, ma'am. They do. Talk your shit. Back your shit up. You did it. Okay. You and Lizzo. Congratulations. I know I said that I didn't care for the song. That just means I didn't care for the song. That doesn't mean I don't want Cardi and Lizzo, you know, not to be successful. I don't want them to win. I definitely want that. So congratulations to them. I have listed Jay-Z and Beyonce are the new faces of Tiffany. I have that listed under good black news. I don't know if I should. A lot of people are really excited about it, but a lot of people are like, what? I told y'all last week, literally last Friday, or maybe last Tuesday, one or the other, last week, we talked about Jay-Z and Beyonce becoming a new face of Tiffany because it was talked about in the Harper Bazaar article with those beautiful, beautiful images of Beyonce. She said that she and Jay were the new faces of Tiffany, but the campaign images and video had not been released yet. And apparently there's more to come. There was a short video that was released today, along with a couple images. It's Jay-Z and Beyonce dressed in all black. Jay has on a black suit with a white shirt and Beyonce has on all, she has a, on a black gown. Her hair is piled up in a very messy bun. I think Beyonce looked beautiful. I think her body looked beautiful. That bun, I didn't find beautiful. And that's nothing against Beyonce. That's just, black girls wear our buns a little differently. Like that bun looked like, that looked like the white girl at the mall bun. It's very bird's nest bun. And I was like, black girls do their buns. Even we do messy buns. Like there's an intentional to the messiness. I was like, that's not, that's a white girl bun. That's not a black girl bun. Like, and Beyonce, you know. The hair she's using may be like Peruvian or Cambodian or whatever, which I have nothing against weaves or anything like that. I've, I've worn many in my lifetime. But no, it just, no. 
Everything else was fine. Little pieces in front coming down, perfect. The bun just didn't like the bun. But she looked beautiful, despite the bun. She looked really, really beautiful. There's a Tiffany blue Basquiat in, in the background of the photo. In the background, but also like very prominent. It's like a gigantic Basquiat. It's huge. It's been in a private collection since it was created, which I guess, does that mean it was a commissioned piece? Or does that mean like, you know, a friend went to Basquiat's house and was like, I'll buy that from you. I don't know. But it's never been publicly seen before. It's just been part of a private collection. It's a good Basquiat. How do I want to enter this conversation? Let's stick to the facts of it first. The campaign is called About Love. It's the first time that the couple has appeared in an advertising campaign together. It was shot by Mason Poole. I have no idea who that is. Hose Tux was Givenchy. It was styled by June Ambrose. We love June here. And Some Some Hope, her daughter, Summer. I remember when she used to be tagged as Some Some Hope, but she's officially Summer now. I think she's 17. I've watched that little girl grow up on Instagram. She grew into a beautiful, beautiful young lady. I know her parents are so very proud of her. Let's see. The owner of Tiffany, Alexandre Arnault, he told WWD of the, of the collaboration with Jay and Bay. She's the best singer in the world, and he's the best rapper in the world, hands down. And we're the best jewelry company in the world, right? So we kind of had to marry ourselves together to produce that. In the campaign, Beyonce is seen wearing a gigantic yellow diamond. It's 128.54 carats. And Beyonce is the first black woman and the fourth person to wear it. Four, you know, is a big number for Beyonce and Jay. Like her birthday is September 4th. Why do I know this? Her birthday is September 4th. His is December 4th. There's some other significance to four. I know she's got a four tattooed on her ring finger. I'm like a card-carrying Bayhive member, but I don't like attend meetings or anything. So, like, I like Beyonce, but I'm not, like, obsessed with Beyonce. I don't know the significance of all the fours. I just know it's, like, a big number. But her being the fourth woman to wear it is probably very significant to her. The first black woman? I don't know. For I'm, I'm, Am I keeping it 300? Yeah, I'm not that impressed with that. If you told me she was the first black woman to wear it like 50 years ago. Okay. But I'm like, really, Tiffany? Like you've been around since the 1800s? At least this is the first black woman to wear this diamond in the year of our Lord 2021. A diamond that y'all went and found in Africa. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm happy for them. Like, I don't. I don't feel like, you know, it's setting the race back for them to appear in this Tiffany ad. I haven't seen any reports of how much they got paid for this campaign. It's not like they really need the money, but I guess it's one of those things that you can never have enough of. I think this is one of those things that would have been considered a stunt like 10 years ago. But in the current culture of, I don't know, billionaires flying off the space and all the wealth and equality in the country that, you know, is very glaring and noticeable, especially in the wake of the pandemic. The promotion of the conspicuous consumption of it all, like it just, it doesn't land with me like I think it would have been intended. It's not a bad look. It's definitely not. I just, I don't know. I don't love it. But I also don't think like they shouldn't have done it. Does that make sense? The other part too... I know the Bay House about to come for me. I told y'all I was a card-carrying member. Maybe I should have attended more meetings to help me get it. I don't know. 
How do I want to phrase this? Well, okay, so let me say this. I think Beyonce looks amazing. I think Jay-Z looks like Jay-Z. Like, a lot of people don't like the freeform locks. The Basquiat-inspired hair, his hair doesn't bother me. Like, I don't feel one way about it or another. That's one of those, like, if he's happy, I'm happy, like, Carrie Forth type things. Tiffany dressing Beyonce up with a nod to breakfast at Tiffany's, it just feels very, like, florals for spring. How original. Tiffany's doing a nod to breakfast at Tiffany's, like... That's all y'all got? It just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know what else to say that like would be better. I just, I know that Beyonce's visuals, like whoever she works with to come up with the visuals for like a Blackest King or Homecoming or, you know, any other of the 50 million Beyonce projects where she looks like she's setting a trend. They get it. I don't know if this, you know, it just seems very... It seems very dry for the Carters. I feel like Tiffany gets way more out of it than they do. Because Tiffany ain't been talked about this much in years. But Tiffany used to be like a thing. I mean, and not just the diamonds. Like the Tiffany silver, the Tiffany cuffs. I have one of those cuffs somewhere. Or like the choker with the heart on it. Like I remember everybody and their mother had that choker. But yeah, but Tiffany hasn't been like, you know, very, very relevant in a very long time. I guess Jay-Z and Beyonce will make it popping again. I don't know. And also another thing. Maybe this is just because I read too much or like watch too many movies. I don't like the illusion is of Beyonce and all her like, you know, bay fabulosity and popularity that she brings to the table. I don't like her using a reference point to a call girl. That's what Audrey Hepburn, Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. She's a call girl. Truman Capote said as much. I had to go look it up. In 1968, he did an interview with Playboy because they asked, they were like, well, you know, was she a call girl? This is how he described her. Quote, she had no job, but accompanied expense account men to the best restaurants and nightclubs with the understanding that her escort was obligated to give her some sort of gift, perhaps jewelry or a check. If she felt like it, she might take her escort home for the night. He says not precisely a call girl. I don't know. I feel like Beyonce's Beyonce. She don't need to make reference to a girl with no job who was, you know, paying her rent with tricking money. Maybe I'm overthinking it. I, I overthink a lot of things. I don't know. What did you think? I don't know. I do know that that beautiful dress that Beyonce had on by Balmain, that dress was originally designed by a very popular woman who's not as popular as like the French fashion house, but popular nonetheless. Her name is Winona de Jong. She is the well-known wife of a very well-known Dutch football player. And by football, I mean soccer, Nigel de Jong. They've been married almost 20 years, like 17 years. I first got put on to her because like a bunch of my friends who were like wives and girlfriends of athletes, like she's like their mothership. Like what Marjorie Harvey is to me, that's what Winona de Jong is to them. She's like fashion goals, body goals, hair goals, face goals. Like she's a bad chick. And she has a very understated style of dress. I like her style a lot. She also has a fashion line. I think that was launched like 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. For the 2019 season, she designed a dress that looks nearly identical to the dress that Beyonce is wearing in this Tiffany ad, down to like where the back is cut and then like the uh, the sheer outline of Beyonce's bottom, the dress that Winona de Jong designed 
is exactly the same. Winona's being very, very nice about it on her Instagram page. Like she was like, oh, you know, we'll just call it the Beyonce dress now. But she did point out two years ago, I designed this dress and here are the receipts of me in this dress. And you can scroll on on the the social site for, for my actual fashion line and you can see it, which I did. She's got the dress posted as of August 6, 2019, which just over two years ago, as she said, but she's not getting credit for the design of the dress. And at last check, because Diet Prada usually calls people out on stuff like that, Diet Prada hasn't said anything about it, which I was like, what's that about? I saw much talk of of Beyonce's complexion in the Tiffany's ad. They're like, why does she look so light-skinned? Like literally last week when she was showing her ass for her new line for Adidas, for Ivy Park, they were like, that was a brown ass. And now this week, it's a light-skinned ass, like a real light-skinned ass, which... People said that she was bleaching or that Tiffany had lightened her, which I think is probably more likely. I really can't see Beyonce bleaching. Not like I know her or anything. I'll be honest that when I first scrolled through my timeline, I scrolled and I saw a woman with blonde hair at a piano and I thought it was a white lady. And then when I went back and looked, I was like, oh, okay, like clearly a black woman, clearly Beyonce. But I was like, oh, she is really lighting this ad. I just think that's a lighting issue. Would Tiffany bleach her? I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be completely out of the norm. I mean, people play with images and hues and remember time darkened OJ on the cover to make him look more sinister and more criminal. I mean, he did that shit, but at the time we didn't think he did that shit. We were still waiting for the information to come out, but still it was wrong. Beyonce is really not that dark though. I mean, if you put her in a bunch of bright light, she's going to look lighter. I don't know if that's one you can put on Beyonce. I think you might. I think it might be fair to be upset with Tiffany about it. But I don't know if that's a Beyonce problem. Some other folks brought up and they were like, you know, this 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 diamond that Tiffany is, you know, saying that. Oh, look, you know, a black woman is wearing it for the first time. This beautiful, gigantic diamond, 120 some odd carats. It was found in Africa. People were quick to point out that like, okay, so this diamond that's like over 100 years old that was found in Africa, that's a blood diamond. How many limbs were lost? How many people died to obtain that diamond? And if you found it in Africa, shouldn't you get that shit back because it's not yours? Which I was like, well, that's kind of hard to argue with. I mean, I feel like Beyonce and Jay-Z are so damn popular that anything they do is going to have like a bunch of praise because there are a lot of people who are just caught up in the, the fandom of it all. But it's also going to be like overanalyzed. I have such weird feelings about this. Like you see me trying to like work out my feelings. Like I like this. I don't like that. Like I don't like the hair. And I don't like they jack this woman's design. Like it's a beautiful design. Just get a woman credit. You couldn't really go wrong with like endorsing Winona DeYoung. She has a huge following. She's like international celebrity. I hate calling black people the black version of anybody. Because I just think it's a little insulting. And still I say, like, just to give you context of, like, where she sits, if you're not familiar with her in, like, celebrity-wise, she's like the black posh spice. Her husband is uber famous. And by extension, so is she. She does all the big magazines. She gets, like, a whole bunch of attention. That seems like a really weird choice to, like, jack her design of all people. These big design houses, it's not unheard of. Diet product, I mean... A large part of their existence is pointing out designers jacking shit from other designers or smaller designers. But I'm just like, just give the woman her credit because it's a good design. It's a good dress. You know, Fashion Nova is going to have it like within like the next two weeks. Tops. 
And there's still more to this campaign to come. Apparently, Beyonce is going to be in a video shot by Jay-Z. Beyonce is going to be singing Moon River while playing the piano. Yes, I didn't know Beyonce could play the piano. But again, I don't go to the Beehive meetings. And you know, Moon River is the song from Breakfast at Tiffany's. I hate the Breakfast at Tiffany's reference. And the bird's nest hair. Everything else I can live with. Okay, maybe not the blood diamond. Moving on. I'm tired of talking about this. Governor Cuomo, he is stepping down from office. Today's Monday by tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, he will no longer be governor of the state of New York. I did not watch his press conference. I got an alert when he asked people to tune in. So I just have to rely on CNN.com for my coverage. CNN says, quote, in his final public remarks as governor, Cuomo touted some of his big ticket accomplishments, including a series of infrastructure projects and passing marriage equality. But he mostly used the stage, oh dear, in an effort to cast doubt on the detailed report that ultimately made his position untenable. And he offered one last round of criticisms against the progressive Democrats who fought him on policy during his decade in office. The outgoing governor also blamed the media for reporting on the allegations against him, suggesting reporters had been too quick to accept the results of the probe. This is what Cuomo said, quote, a firecracker can start a stampede, but at one point everyone looks around and says, why are we running? The truth is ultimately always revealed. Cuomo went on to say, quote, the attorney general's report was designed to be a political firecracker on an explosive topic, and it worked. There was a political and media stampede, but the truth will out in time. Oh, dear. In closing, Governor Cuomo said we didn't always get it right. He said, but I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that every day I worked my hardest and gave it my all and tried my best to deliver for you. And that is the God's honest truth. This whole thing is just like so frustrating to me because I thought, I thought he handled COVID. Well, you know, not the nursing home part, obviously, but I thought he handled COVID like amazingly well. And he was, oh, what is that poem? If years ago, I memorized the whole thing. Like when I was in college, I heard it in an English class once and I was like, oh, that part about like keeping your head while everyone around you is losing theirs has always stuck out to me. It's one of the quotes that I like have handwritten out and, and put on the, the wall above my desk. So it's just something that's always, you know, front of mind. I very much thought Cuomo was that type. He was keeping his head when everyone around him was losing theirs. I thought he was an effective leader, which I was wrong about. He was able to lead in some spaces, but he clearly much was... Uh, not leading. He was failing when it came to how he treated the women in his office. And I know sometimes people would be like, well, you know, he was a good leader, but, and I was like, you can't be a good leader and treat people like objects. Some of that is human nature. Like no one's, no one is uh, perfect in all areas, but I was like, you got a huge imperfection. Um, one that you treat women like sexual objects, but also that you're led by your ego and your dick, which is so many men's downfall. Like the number of men whose reputations 
I was going to say have been tarnished, but that's taking away the action of what they did, who have tarnished their own reputations because they can't control their hands or penises or ego is astounding, astounding. And it's not to say that women don't do it, too. It's just, you know, we just don't see as many women in power, you know, governors like the woman that's going to replace Cuomo is literally New York's first female governor. I imagine that as more women get into those positions that we'll see them do dumb shit too. Dumb shit is not the domain of just men. But so far, I'm like, bruh, like Me Too happened. You came out as a Me Too ally and was grabbing titties and ass at the job. During Me Too, you were still sexually harassing people. Like this isn't even like 20-year-old complaints. It seems like everyone knew that the governor was inappropriate or handsy quote and unquote, but he pissed off the wrong people and all this information came out. So political hit job, like the timing of it and, and the deliberate effort to take him down. Absolutely. But he also did that shit. It's not like they made up shit that he didn't do and pinned it on him. They just found shit that he did and used it against him, which, you know, when you do wild shit, that's something that could happen. And that's what happened to him. So I don't know. I, I appreciate the good things that he did for the state of New York, especially the city of New York, because that was my home for 17 years. I did indeed vote for Cuomo when I was living there. Oh, well, I can't even be like, it sucks. Like, dude, 11 women. Come on. So we'll see what the next person has to offer. Hopefully they'll do better. I was going to say speaking of doing better, but I don't know if he's capable. Um, little boozy. Went on The Breakfast Club, which to some degree, I'm just like, y'all know this man is ignorant. Why did y'all have him on The Breakfast Club? I mean, and, and to be clear, that's a rhetorical question. You had him on The Breakfast Club because you have a show with ads. And to keep those ad dollars high, you've got to deliver good numbers. And Boozy is going to come on the show and he's going to say some wild shit. Journalists and bloggers are going to write about it. People are going to tweet about it. That information is going to trickle to people like me who don't listen to the show. I'm going to talk about it on my podcast like a bunch of other people. And then it's just going to go even further. And people are going to go back and they're going to listen to that episode of The Breakfast Club to see what Boozy said. I get it. You want the ratings. I get it. I want the ratings. I get it. But I also feel like in doing that, you're giving a platform to a bigot. And this is the same thing that people used to say about Trump. Like, you know he's lying. Why are you covering his lies in the media? You're helping spread lies by reporting on his lying. With Boozy, like, that's what The Breakfast Club is doing. It does more for Boozy than it does for The Breakfast Club. Like, yes, you get the ratings in your hits, but at what cost? He got on The Breakfast Club, and I'm not going to read you most of his quotes um, because they're, they're homophobic and they're vile. They, they encourage violence against the gay community, and I don't want to participate in spreading that. And just a bunch of, like, ignorance. And Charlemagne apparently did his part. Boozy was upset that basically Lil Nas X is talking about or is making these popular songs about desiring men, sex with men. And Charlemagne pointed out that, like, you know, you mad at Lil Nas X. Black men have been rapping about fucking women. This is literally what Charlemagne said. Been rapping about fucking women forever in videos and their songs. And that hasn't changed, you know, in the wake of a little Nas X. And he said Boozy just ignored that point. He doesn't want to hear sound logic. 
He doesn't want to be educated. He he wants to be ignorant about this shit. Like, I don't know why this is the hill that he wants to die on. But he asked Charlamagne at one point, he was defending the baby who Boozy is doing a festival, Boozy Bash. I'll never go to that. But he added the baby to the lineup of Boozy Bash. You know, the baby, most of his shows got canceled after he got on stage and was talking about, put your lighter up if you don't have AIDS. Like, what? But Boozy attempted to defend him. He said, how many times you been on set and you heard somebody say, if you ain't got AIDS, make noise. And the whole club is like, ah, I, I spent most of my 20s and a good chunk of my 30s, too, up in the club. That's never happened. I've clubbed in every major city. I've clubbed in international cities. I've been to luxurious glamour spots. I've been to some hood shit and strip malls. I've been to strip clubs. I've been to a whole lot of clubs and a whole lot of places. And I ain't never heard that. Little Nas X saw or heard about Boozy's clip. And his response is classic Little Nas X because he's a professional troll. He said, wow, this is insane. Almost as insane as my new single, Industry Baby, which is out now. He linked to his website telling fans to, quote, get it here, which is a great response. Because as a reporter, the first thing you do is you listen to Boozy's clip and you say, oh, my God, he said these things. And then you want to know what the response is. So little Nas X gave a response that plugged his album. And I'm reading this story off Billboard. You know, I like to cite my sources. But Billboard is talking about in this story about Boozy and the crazy shit he said on The Breakfast Club is a nod to Little Nas X's response and a link to his website. I love this kid. He's like a marketing genius. I was like, if this music thing doesn't work out, which, you know, he's getting like 100 million streams on every song he releases now. I think it's working out for him. If he ever gets tired, I don't know, five or 10 years from now, marketing guru would be a good fit for him. He's very, very, very good at it. So that is the episode this week. I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff. That's most things. And we'll talk about the rest of the things on Friday. So talk soon, y'all. Okay. Bye.